I've been in the book of Deuteronomy lately, and uh, so I want to, to read in chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember, uh, we talked about this Sunday morning that, that the, uh, the word Deuteronomy means second law, and it was the law given again to that second generation. They had lived their lives in the wilderness, and now they are back, headed back toward the promised land, and uh, they're receiving this message. Actually, the entire book of Deuteronomy is uh, sermons of Moses to that generation, and uh, even songs. There are songs of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. So there's preaching, and there's singing, and there's good counsel, and there is the law of God that is given to them uh, as they are making their preparation to move into the promised land. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 1, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man <clears throat> doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. To me it's the most wonderful thought to consider that before you were saved, when you were in the wilderness, that God was working in your behalf. Even before you came to the Lord, God was moving. And for the children of Israel, the second generation who lived those 40 years in the wilderness, God was with them in that wilderness experience. Now, the wilderness is a type of the world. It's a, it's a picture of the world. The world... Uh, is dry, it's dead, it offers no fruitfulness, it offers no blessing. Um, uh, the world is, uh, it has a season of enjoyment, seasons of pleasure, but the end result is death. The wilderness is just death. That's all it is. It's just death. And, uh, but even in the middle of all that, from the text that we read Sunday morning from Deuteronomy 32, 
verse 10, it says, he found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. So all of that time, even though it was a wasteland, it was not wasted time because God was working in them to prepare them. Now, just be reminded, there may be those that you're concerned about that are lost far away from God. You've been praying for them for a long time. And uh, just be encouraged tonight to know that, uh, that God is working in their life. God is working in their hearts. God has not forgotten them. God has not forsaken them. He cares about them. Oh, they may be in, a, in, in the world. They may be in a wilderness. And they may, may be a long way from where God wants them to be. But just remember that God is working. He's dealing with them. He's working in the circumstances of their life to eventually bring them. The heart of God is to bring them to him, to draw them to him and to bring them to that place that they recognize that they need the Lord. God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee. Sometimes God is dealing with people even in their sin, in their worldliness, in their wilderness. God is dealing with them and through the circumstances of their life, he humbles them. He makes them realize, oh, how much I need God. Oh, how I need God. I desperately need God. And uh, so he, uh, he led them to humble them, to prove them. He puts them to the test. Uh, and he wants them to pass the test. He wants them to learn the lessons of the wilderness. Amen. To recognize that there are things that you can learn in the wilderness experience. And we pray for the lost and those that are wayward and those that are in the world and that they will understand that, uh, that God is at work. I think it's a wonderful thing that the word love is a very prominent word all throughout the book of Deuteronomy. God so loves the world. God so loves the world. He so loves people 21 times. It's in those, uh, uh, in, in the, uh, the book of Deuteronomy that the word love is mentioned. You see, he loves the lost, those that are wandering in the wilderness. He loves them so much that he wants to be able to lead them out of the wilderness. He loves them so much that he wants to draw them to him. And his mighty hand is working in their life. Uh, to put them to the t to test them, to prove them, to know what is in their heart. You see, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? A lot of people in their in their sin, they don't even know how lost they are. They don't even know the condition of their heart. But this wilderness experience, God can even teach them lessons in the wilderness, whereby they can learn. And it may take a while. It may take even months or years or longer. Who, however long it takes them. God doesn't give up. Amen. He doesn't give up. When you and I get to that point where we almost give up, God does not give up on them. 
He doesn't give up on our sons and our daughters and our children and our grandchildren and our loved ones and those that we are concerned about. God continues to deal with them. They may be going through tough and difficult times, but God can prove them. He can test them. He can reveal their heart while they're going through this experience. Amen. Amen. So even in the wilderness, God's dealing with them. Even in the wilderness, God is teaching them things, lessons that only can be learned and can be learned in the wilderness. I think that um, we also need to be reminded of the nature of the world that they are caught in, that, that, that uh, cycle that they're in. The children of Israel, now their shoes didn't wear out, their feet didn't swell, their clothes didn't wear out, but there was something kind of, I think, drab, boring, and mundane about their existence because they were just going in circles, going in circles. As a matter of fact, later on, um, uh, I, I, I believe it was Moses that said, you've, you've gone around this hillside long enough. You've made this circle so many times. And what a desperate thing. I've seen people in their sin, living in the world, and, and they're, they're searching for something to fulfill their life, something to, that uh, will make them happy in their life. And, and they're just going in a circle, going in a circle. They're not finding any pleasure or any lasting joy in the things of this world. First John chapter 2 and verse 15 is a command of the Lord that says, Love not the world. Love not the world. That's a command. That is for every one of us to remember. We may think you know, if we're tempted to go back on the, th on the things of God and to go back into the wilderness, if we lose our faith and our confidence like the children of Israel did and they didn't march in and take hold of the promise, take hold of what God was providing for them, but instead they go back into the wilderness. Sometimes the enemy tempts you. Oh, let's just give up. Let's just go back. Let's just go back into the things. But the Bible says we're not to love the world. Love not the world. Love not the world. Now, that's not talking about the world. There's several words in the Bible describing the world. One word describes the world that we live in and uh, creation, the world that we live in. And it's not talking uh, about that world, not to love that world. We should love the world that's been created for us. Amen. We should love it. I don't mean worship it. I don't mean like the, like some of the, you know, green crazy people worship the world. I don't mean, but we should love the world. It's been created for us. The beauty and the wonder of, of this world is all created for mankind to enjoy. Yeah, we should love the world. Another word in the scripture that, that uh, for world is talking about the people that inhabit the world, the people that populate the world. It's not saying love not people. We know that God so loved the world and he loved not the world system. He loved the people of the world, uh, the people that inhabit and populate this world, every one of them is valuable to God. Every one of them is valuable to the Lord. Been reading about what's happening in Iran. I have to tell you folks, 
It's one of the most unbelievable and exciting things that's going on in that country. And uh, there are people that are trying to get Bibles in, in and for them just, just receiving a Bible, they can be arrested in Iran. But yet they're so hungry, they're so tired of, uh, of the emptiness of their life and they're so hungry that Bibles are flooding in there by the thousands and thousands into Iran. I don't know about you, but I want to get in on that. I want to get in on being a part of that. And I'm trying to investigate ways that we can be involved in what's going on and getting the word of God into, into that, uh, that country where your life is going to be threatened. Um, God loves the world and we should love the world. The people of the world. Amen. But the world that he says don't love, he's talking about the world system. He's talking about the, the, uh, the cosmos, the systems of this world, the ways of this world, the things. It says, love not the world, neither the things in this world. This is a command of God. I have to be honest now, I'm, I'm tempted by things. <laughs> And we all are. If we'll be honest, we're tempted by things. Marshall will verify this. We'll be driving down the road and I'll see a uh, QX80 Infinity. And I'll say, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Look at that car. Wouldn't that be? And uh, I know it's $70,000. Because <laughs> I've looked up the price. And I know I'll, I can't have a QX80. 80 infinity i'd like to have one but i don't need to set my heart on the things of this world my little chevy is good enough <laughs> it'll get me where i need to go and uh it's fine and uh, it's a provision of the lord and thank god i don't know owe any money on it praise god for that amen but um the command is don't love the world and don't love the things of the world that's the part that's pretty hard it's quite a challenge because there's a lot of things in this world that attract your attention. But it's dangerous because if you set your heart on the things of this world before long, you become worldly minded. You begin to pursue the things of this world. But instead, we need to set our hearts and our affection on the things of the Lord, the things that are higher, the things that are above, not things on this earth. The things of this earth are passing away. The sad thing is that you can go buy a $70,000 car in just a few years. It's not worth that much money. It's just not worth that much money. That's the, that's the fading and the temporal nature of things in this world. Don't set your, your affection. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in this world. We're in the world. Um, and if we, if, we, if we go the direction of the world, it's because we don't believe God. We don't believe his word. That's what happened to the children of Israel. We're destined to a worldly life. If we will not hear the word of the Lord and obey it. Amen. That was their problem. They had the opportunity to go right in and to take that step of faith and obedience, but instead their hearts were full with, filled with fear 
And uh, they disobeyed the command of the Lord and they go back into the wilderness, back into that life, that life that's dusty and dirty and mundane. And, and uh, I know some of you ladies would have a really hard time with this, but their clothes never wore out and their shoes never wore out. That means that for 40 years, they never got anything new. <laughs> it was just the old things. Well, God was providing for them, but it kind of reflects the, 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 the worldly system doesn't bring any joy or fulfillment. It's just emptiness. The ways of this world. Amen. And they, could, they had it. They could have easily gone in and partaken of the promised land. Did you know that it's only a, it was only 11 days journey from Egypt to the promised land? They could have been in the promised land in a week and a half. That's Deuteronomy 1 and 2. It says, there are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea, which is the border. 11 days journey. That's all it was. But their unbeliefs threw them into the wilderness. Your unbelief will throw you into a worldly life of emptiness and no fulfillment. The promised land was fruitful. It was blessed. And that was what God was providing for them. He promised it to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and to all of their, their descendants. Uh, you're going to go in, you're going to possess it. And all of this bounty, all of these blessings are going to be yours. And we read to you from Deuteronomy 28 uh, Sunday where uh, the Lord promised, I'm going to bless you in the field. I'm going to bless you in the city. I'm going to bless you when you come in, when you go out. And uh, I'm going to bless you in every possible way. It says, and the Lord is going to, overtake you or run you down to bless you. That's what God was providing for the people of God, but instead their unbelief sent them into the wilderness and sent them into that worldly life that was aimless, no purpose, no, no blessing, um, and they, they were in that endless cycle. So when we pray, we're praying for a lot of people that are unsaved. When we pray for them, remember, pray that they will get so sick and tired of the mundane life of the world. No real satisfaction, no real joy, no real blessings. Pray that they will just get so weary with it that they'll say, I, I want help from God. I'm going to turn, turn to the Lord. I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. That cycle of sin that Israel was in, in the wilderness, and uh, no fulfillment, no joy. And uh, even if they fought battles, their battles were just survival. They weren't battles of conquest. When they went into the promised land, they had some battles to fight, but every, every battle they fought, they were taking new ground and new territory. They were accomplishing things, and, and they were laying hold of the promises of God for them in the wilderness they fought battles, but it was just survival. They just were surviving another day in another battle. That's the life of the world. Oh, it's, it's an empty, uh, aimless, hopeless life for those that are in the world. And we're praying, Lord, awaken them and help them to see that they can have faith and they can come back to God and get back to the promises of God and enjoy all the blessings that God has for them. Amen. Praise the Lord. It is a wonderful thing to know that my 
loved ones, people that I'm praying for, people that I'm concerned about that are not saved. The Lord is working through the circumstances of their life. Amen. To eventually bring, bring them back, get them back to, to God. Amen. There's a verse in Hosea that says, I knew thee in the wilderness. Praise God. Praise God. I knew thee. I remember as a young person, I was raised up in church, but I, I wasn't always serving the Lord. There were a few years there where I was just struggling around and, and didn't know. And it looked like serving the Lord was the most, you know, unappealing thing. I didn't want to follow that direction but I had to have an eye-opening experience. I'm so glad that now when I look back, I realize the Lord knew me in the wilderness. He knew me in that season. He knew me and he dealt with me and he eventually brought me to a place of repentance. Praise the Lord. So in all of our days, we're in the eyes of the Lord. We're in his mind. We're in his thoughts. And the lost are in his thoughts. He's mindful of the sinner and their lost condition. He doesn't forsake them or give up on them. He's constantly working in them, testing them, dealing with them, drawing them to him. Amen. Praise the Lord. See, before you were a Christian, you were in that worldly experience, in that worldly life, and you needed to come to the Lord. Your pride will keep you from coming to Jesus. And that's why he said, I led you into this wilderness to humble thee, to humble thee. We need to pray for our unsaved friends and loved ones. Lord, if it has to be a humbling experience in their life, Lord, humble them. Lord, destroy the pride in their life. Pride will keep you from God. God resisteth the proud. He gives grace to the humble. If God lets them go through humbling experiences, he, he will also pour out his grace upon them in that humbling experience. He gives grace to the humble. So if they're being humbled, sometimes even humiliated by circumstances of their life, they're humble, but accompanying that humility is the grace of God, whereby God is talking to them and dealing with them and drawing them to him, to humble thee, to prove thee, to see what is in your heart. We don't know really the depths of our heart, but God can reveal that. God can reveal what is in our heart and draw us to him, to know what is in your heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. God wants to bring those unsaved to that place that they love the law of God. They love the word of God. They love the things of God. They long for the presence of God and the Lord can do that. And he is doing that as we pray for these that are lost. God is working in them to, to uh, melt their heart, to humble them and to bring them to that place that they will love to obey God's law. They'll love the things of God more than they love the ways of the world. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Only God. He knows the hearts of, of uh, the lost, and he can reveal himself with wonderful grace. Amen. And during that season of your unsaved 
friends and loved ones that they're in the world. The Lord is, he's providing for them. He is working in them. How many times have you heard people testify and say, oh, the Lord preserved my life while I was in sin. The Lord protected me when I was in sin. The Lord took care of me in my sin. I didn't deserve it, but his mercy, his mercy protected me and preserved me and, and brought me out of that wilderness and brought me to the Lord. Praise God for that. Praise the Lord.